0: Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, and you would, find Matthew, the 17th chapter. Thank you, Brother Monty, for singing on the spot like that. And uh, Matthew, the 17th chapter, as we're going verse by verse through the book of Matthew. And if you'd like to, you can flip over to the end of your Bible, the book of 1 John. I'd like to read two verses from there tonight to kind of get us started. Uh, We have been on a series talking about keeping the main things, the main things. And Satan likes to distract us, usually not by uh, a giant mess, but usually by little things at a time. It's kind of like when you're driving, you know, uh, if you see flashing lights ahead of you, uh, you are supposed to slow down, pull over, go around, do not drive right next to a law enforcement officer, there's a reason that on the side of a school bus, when they stop, they put a sign that comes out, and it lights up, and it flashes, and it, it gets your attention. But if you're like me, sometimes when you're driving, you'll begin to just look over and be like, oh, so-and-so's building a new house. Oh, so-and-so's got a new truck. Look at them crops. I can't believe they've already combined that. Looks like a whole new crop's growing up. Ain't that amazing? It just, And next thing you know, you're just kind of, whoa, pulling her back on the road. That's how Satan works in our life. Most of the time, when Satan works and moves in people's lives, he doesn't do it with a hello, I'm Satan sign. Uh, It's just not the way it works. He begins to gently lead us astray. Gently begins to bring into things into our lives that cause us to wander. And so as we're doing this series, keeping the main things, the main things, tonight we come to a a very interesting passage of Scripture. Because if you remember, the last time we were together, we were looking at how Jesus had just told the disciples, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. Peter says, no, no, you're not. That's not going to happen. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, then we know that Jesus takes three of the disciples up onto the mountaintop and they experience the transfiguration. Took Peter and James and John. And so we see here the disciples are on a roller coaster, right? They're at an extreme low, they're at an extreme high. And we know that in life. No one is not no one is always on the mountaintop. It feels like sometimes, though, we're always in the valley. But you do know that making decisions on the mountaintop and in the valley should never happen. It's kind of like the idea, oh, we just got a promotion, got that big bonus check. I think I'd love to go buy four new four-wheelers. And then when you realize six weeks into it, I don't need four four-wheelers. I need four four-wheelers, but uh, most people don't need that many. And you think, oh, now I've got to have insurance on this, and now i got to put gas in this, and now... Holy cow, what am I thinking? A mountaintop moment led to a terrible decision. But also we know that decisions made in the valley are difficult. Because when things are bad or things are hard or things have jumped out and really took our attention, we, we're hurt, we're, we're angry. It's kind of like the old saying, when you're angry, don't speak. Do not speak when you're angry. Give it time. Why is it that when you go to buy a new car... And you tell the salesman, you know what, I think I'd like to go home and think about it for an evening, and I'd love to call you tomorrow. Their response is, oh, absolutely. No, they're like, no, come on in here, and let me show you how much more we can knock off that price. You don't need to leave. Let's get this done today. Because in that moment, it's like, "Woo! another $200 in a free coffee cup. That's what I'm talking about. Eight years of payments, but hey, what's it matter? And life is that way, mountaintops and valleys and in between. And tonight with the disciples, we are seeing them going up and down, up and down. And my hope to you tonight is to know something and to show you that there is hope, whether you are celebrating on the top of the mountain or whether you are as low as you can go, that God wants you to keep your eye on him. And so if you found 1 John, the 5th chapter, starting in verse 14, if you would stand with me, out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word. And then we're going to jump right in and read Matthew, the 17th chapter, starting in verse 14. In 1 John 15, starting in verse 14, the Word of God says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If we pray anything in his will, he hears it and he gives us what we need. And so in Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 14, let's begin to read. And when they had come to the multitudes, so they just now coming down from the mountain. Just this magnificent moment. A man came to him, speaking of Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said. Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them. Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you. If you have the faith as a mustard seed. You will say to this mountain. Move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However. This kind. Does not go out. Except by prayer. And fasting. Pray with me. Father tonight we come thankful for your word. Lord knowing that you are in control. But yet Lord you want us to approach you. So Lord we see the warnings tonight. Of unbelief. So tonight Lord I pray that you would. Speak through your messenger to your people. Father, I pray tonight that you would show us that whether the mountain or the valley or coming down or going up, that you are with us. Lord, help us to make decisions that honor you no matter where we are. Give us self-control. Give us wisdom that we do not have on our own. So, Father, tonight I thank you for the privilege to preach. I ask that you forgive me, Lord, as I begin to unfold these words tonight. If there's anything in my heart or life. That would hinder what you're trying to do in this place. And so Father I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. The thing I want to show you tonight. Three quick things if you don't mind. Is this. Problems come to all of us. Problems come to all of us. Look here in verse 14. And when they had come down to the multitude. So that's Jesus and the three apostles and can you imagine what they would have been thinking when they were coming down that mountain oh that was the greatest trip ever that was the most wonderful experience can you believe what that was like i I, I can't even begin to describe it you know they've got to be thinking i can't wait to get down there and tell them other nine what we've experienced Some of it probably was with the right motives and probably some of it wasn't, right? We were on the mountain. You know, (laughs) can you imagine that? And they're coming down thinking, we can accomplish anything for God. There's nothing that we can, we have seen what it's going to look like in the resurrection and a resurrected body and and all that's going to go on. (laughs) And they get to the bottom of the mountain and here's a father. Now, I'm sure this father didn't just sit there and say, Hello, Lord. Just imagine what has happened. And when they had come down to the mountain, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Tonight, if you've ever had anything dramatically wrong with your children that's probably not how you approach the Lord it says he knelt down I could just imagine this father whose son is demon possessed this son has fallen into burning fire into water and not died Can you imagine what that would be like I've touched the stove and cried like a little girl And this is his son I'm sure that when he came to the Lord it was probably in tears. I'm sure it was probably hopeless. Because he had brought him to those who were closest to Jesus. And they what? They could not heal him. And could you imagine? We don't know if he carried his son. We don't know if he brought him on a car. We don't know if, he, if, the, if the son walked. We don't know. But I can just imagine if he is on his hands and knees. And he has his son. We don't know the age for sure. Lots of speculation. And. Different thoughts. And I can imagine this father with tears running down his face. There is no hope for my son. I can't can't imagine that. I've been lucky. My children are healthy. I've been very blessed. The occasional sickness, strep throat in our house. One gets sick. Five months later, it's finally out of our family. But, you know, I I can't imagine what it would be like to watch your child be demon-possessed. And have an open campfire going. And watch that demon throw a child into it. Can you imagine what a parent does? I hope he can get himself out. I don't want you to miss this tonight. If it's my child, I'm doing what? I'm reaching in there to pull him out. I'm doing whatever it takes to get that child out of the fire. So do you ever think maybe this parent has got burn scars all over him? Wounds from trying to save his child? You say, oh no, Jake, that's taking too much liberal approach to it. Really, you'd let your child lay in the fire and burn? No. You've seen it in car wrecks and things like that where there's fire and, and where there's uh, a drowning and, and you see how people will bust out a window of a vehicle. It doesn't matter what it does to their arm. They'll reach into a fire fire, reach it, run into a burning bu- a building. And yet, this father didn't have fire protective equipment. This firefighter didn't have, this father didn't have a fire extinguisher. And so I can just imagine this father who has burn marks, who has scars, who is broken beyond helping. And he comes to the one place, the one person on the whole planet who can help him. And he's up on a mountain. And so, if the doctor's away, the PA's the next best thing. And they cannot help him. That is the situation that we find this father. It's hopeless. But friends tonight I want you to know something. Problems come to all of us. You say well Jake my problems look different than that. My problems are emotional. Our problems are marriage. Our, our problems are relationship. Our, our problems are mental. Our, our problems are. You just, the list goes on and on. And you're not alone tonight. You are not the only person here struggling. There are people hurting everywhere. There are people fighting everywhere. And so tonight, I want you to know this, that whether you have went through the fire, that you are out of the fire, but you are looking at the scars, or you are somewhere in between, God wants you to know that He is on His way. Now, I hate waiting at the doctor's office. I hate waiting in line at McDonald's. Those were pretty insignificant things usually for me. But I cannot imagine waiting with my child in the condition that he would be in for the Lord. You know, he's probably asking, what's he doing on a mountaintop? Why? Why did he only take three of you? Are there a better three coming back down? I mean, just imagine what's going through his mind. Can you imagine what he would have thought when he saw Jesus? Do you think he thought, well, I bet he can still heal him? Do you think he would have said, well, if they couldn't, he can't? Because the second thing I want to show you tonight is not only do problems come to all of us, there are always many different people involved. And I want to show you the different people that are involved in this story. Because tonight, you might not be the one thrown into the fire. But you might be the one trying to rescue your children from drug addictions. You might be trying to help your son and daughter-in-law save their marriage. You might be the person at work that's watching someone self-destruct and know there's nothing you can do about it. We don't know, but let's see here in verses 14 through verse 19. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy On my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, "O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. As Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And so first we see the father. We see someone who is affected by the brokenness of someone else. We see someone who has no real problem themselves, but the sin and the the struggle and the hurt of someone else is affecting them. And tonight you and I all love somebody. Somebody. We might not admit that we love anybody, but there are people that we care about. And when they hurt, we hurt. As a parent, as a grandparent, as someone who has family, you've probably said that in your prayer time. Lord, I would take what they're going through. You would let me. And so tonight, don't think that just because the fire is not with you, just because the struggle is not yours, that people are not affected by it. And my challenge to you tonight would be, if you're living in sin and you don't think it has consequences, there is someone hurting because of you. There is someone that is wanting to pull you out of the fire. There is someone who is praying for you. There is someone who is crying for you. There is someone who loves you. Tonight. The second person we see in this situation is the son in verse 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. Tonight, you might be the one suffering personally. Tonight, maybe that lie that everybody told was about you. Maybe tonight that that person that hurt somebody hurt you. Maybe tonight it was you that went to the doctor and got the diagnosis that there is no cure. Maybe it's you tonight that's lost a loved one and there is no way that you think you can make it through. You see, sometimes the effects of other people affect us and sometimes the effects are to ourselves. But there's another group of people in this story, the people that are watching. Look what it says in verse 16 through 18. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. You see, there were two groups of people watching this unfold. There were people who were already following Jesus, mostly Gentiles from where this area was. Can you imagine probably some of these people that were there had had family members who had been cured from demonic possession? There were probably some people in this crowd, as we have been following, who had probably watched the sick be made well. There were probably other people who had watched their blind family member receive their sight. There were probably others who had watched the lame get up and walk again. And there were those people that were probably watching and saying, oh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? And friends, there will be people that will watch and they will sympathize with you. But you do know, there's another group of people that are probably in this crowd too. That's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I can just imagine them whispering through the crowd, See, we told you this man was a phony. We told you these group of men couldn't do anything. You say, Jake, how do you know that? Because they followed him everywhere. And I can just imagine they have smelled blood in the water. And friends, there will be people that will rejoice in your suffering. There will be people that gossip and talk about you and run you down. Especially when you're hurting. I spend a lot of time at restaurants here in town, especially Ferris's. I love their coffee and everything else that's on the menu, except for healthy things. But what I really love to do is just sit up there and listen. I love to sit up there and listen to people talk about about their church, their wives, their kids, the government, you name it. People love to share at the restaurant. I don't know if that makes me creepy for sitting up there and listening or not, but it's just the truth. I've heard people talk about other people's kids being arrested. I've heard other people talk about how someone so-and-so is a mess and on this and on that. But you know what I can tell you? I very rarely hear compassion. I don't ever hear anybody say, oh, we're just praying for them. We just love them so much. We are just we just hate it for them. But oh, I can tell you, I hear a lot of this. Well, they should have known it was going to go that way. Of course, she ended up being a floozy. He should have known that. I hear that all the time. And tonight, friends, you have to know something. If God knows your burden, God cares. If everyone else knows it and doesn't care and rejoices in your suffering, rejoices in your pain, you have to not let that be what drives you. And then we see one more group of people in this passage of Scripture in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Now you know that the nine disciples that would have been down there are thinking, what just happened? We've been doing some amazing things with Jesus. Feeding thousands of people. We've watched him heal and work and move. And he, he just got done saying just recently that he was going to give us the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And now we look like fools. Everybody's talking about us. The the Pharisees are after us. Why didn't we get to go on the mountain? Friends, that's how it goes sometimes. All of us stumble. All of us fail. I wish I could say that every person I prayed for to get healed and wanted them to get healed on this side of glory have not gotten healed the way I wanted them to. There have been marriages that I have prayed for and begged God for and fasted for that He would save and reconcile that ended in divorce. I have prayed and fasted for people for years and years and years that they would love Jesus, that they would follow Him and serve Him. They are as hard-hearted as far from God today as ever. And many times as Christians, we don't pray big. And we don't try to do big things for God. Because the question is, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? I literally preach every week and stand down here in front of you and say, Come and pray. And what I have realized is that if I value the sermon that I have preached based on how many of you have come, I leave here disappointed most Sundays. Just like if Jamie was to figure that his success was on how many of you sing He would leave here sometimes very, very unsuccessful. But it's not. It's about being obedient. It's about doing what God has called you to do and what I to do and to trust that the results are up to Him. And if the results don't happen the way I want them to, then I know that God has something that He's doing. And the third and final thing tonight, we've looked at problems come to all of us, but there are always many different people involved. And third, tonight, there is power that changes things. Starting in verse 20, the Bible says these words. So then Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer And fasting. Something happens in these verses in churches and it is ugly in both ways. One, some people will say, God is in control. God is over everything and what you ask for doesn't matter. God already had it planned out and purposed in everything before you were ever born. There's no need to worry about it. No need to pray about it. It's going to be like it's supposed to be. And there will be other people on the other spectrum of this on the very end that say, Well, if it doesn't happen, it's because you didn't ask. And it all depends on you and your faith. Your faith. You, you, you. And it's got nothing to do with God. And I do not believe either one of those is accurate according to the word of God. I believe the Bible teaches us, like 1 John 5 said, is that that he have confidence in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But Jesus literally says, right here in these verses, because of your... Unbelief. He points it not to the demon. He doesn't give the credit demon for not being run out. He doesn't give Satan the credit for being a great picker of a demon possessed person. He says the reason that you could not is because of you and your unbelief. You say, Jake, there's got to be a theological explanation. There's got to be something very brilliant in the Greek and Hebrew and language. No, Jesus says, you. And your unbelief. You say well Jake I don't understand. I don't either. But what it says here is. That God wants to work. And that the unbelief. That we have can hinder. What God wants to do. Listen to what it says. In Matthew the 13th chapter. In verses 53 through 58. Now it came to pass. When Jesus had finished these parables. That he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother, called Mary, and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. I want you to hear this verse because I don't want you to think I'm just picking out one verse in one section tonight. He says, now he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. He didn't say because the power of Satan was great there. He didn't say that the power of God was less there. He didn't say that there was too many uh, 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 ungodly influences there. He said because of your unbelief as an individual and as a group. Psalms 147 describes it like this. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. In those who hope in His mercy. And so tonight, what does that mean for you and I? It means tonight that if you want to have belief, If you want to have faith that honors God, you have to come to a place where you say, God, I can't. God, I am not able. You see, faith is coming to God knowing that he is your hope. Believing that he is your substance. Believing that he is the one who can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. You say, Jake, well, my faith is me believing. No, your faith is coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I have nothing to offer you, but I believe that you are and that you can and that you will. You say, well, Jake, that doesn't sound quite as uh, bragging about and impressive as what I've heard about faith before. Well, that's because people have twisted it to say if you want that new car, and you drive around that car dealership seven times and you get out, blow a trumpet, and you get out and march around it, you will get arrested. You see, faith is coming to God saying, Lord, I am not able. I am a sinner. I have nothing, but God, I believe you. I believe that you love me and care about me. God, I believe that you want what's best for me. God, I believe that you can do whatever is best according to your Plans and purposes. You see the book of Mark. Tells us these words in chapter 9. Verses 23 through 25. Jesus said to him. If you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out. And said with tears. Lord I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The father says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, tonight, if you come in here thinking that your faith is because of how great you are, Or how much you've prayed. Or how much you've given. Or how much you are served. Your faith is not in God. It is in you. And what you can do. And what you can accomplish. But friends this father says Lord. It's you. It's all about you. Listen to what John the third chapter says. In verses 18 and 19. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the commandment that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You see, belief is not just a getting what you want issue. Believe is not just getting something that helps your life. Belief is something that you must have to be saved. You must repent, admit you are a sinner, and believe that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says that he is. And so tonight, whether it is you praying for your prodigal children, tonight, whether it is you praying for a difficult situation that you're going through, tonight, whether it is you praying that God would give you wisdom and direction in your life, If you truly want to see God work in your life. You have to come humbly. Saying Lord I have nothing to offer. But everything to gain. You see that's the great thing about our relationship with Jesus. We literally went into the car dealership with nothing. And came out. Being an adopted son. Who owns everything. We had nothing to offer him. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. You know, I don't want to get gross tonight, but I always seem to take it too far. So, you know, here it goes. It literally is talking about rags that would have been used to clean up, vomit, blood, the things that are gross in society, in a hospital, in a terrible situation. And someone says, here you go. I know what that's like because we've had some sick kids this week. And thankfully, I was not there when it happened. But when I went to sleep in the bedroom, in the basement this week, my wife said, don't go over there to that side of the basement. I said, why? She said that bomb had hit somewhere and it's all piled up on the clothes and on the couch cushions and on the the mattress and on the the blankets. And I went, I'm not doing that laundry. (laughs) There ain't no way. But if she was to go over and pick that up and bring it to me and say, here's a gift. I'd run up those stairs so fast you thought I was an Olympic runner. Because that's like, oh! But yet that's the picture we get from us offering our righteousness to Jesus. There's nothing we can give Him. But yet we should not forget that even in our desperation, even in our hopelessness, even in situations that seem to have no answer. He is able. And so tonight whether it's your need for salvation. Whether it's your need for deliverance. Whether it's your need for forgiveness, healing. Whatever it is tonight all you can do is come to Jesus. And ask for mercy. And The great thing about the Lord is this. <laughs> he takes pleasure in those who fear him. And those who hope in his mercy. If you will fall at the feet of Jesus and ask for mercy. What he says here is God loves to give mercy. I don't know why God loves to give mercy. I don't understand it. I don't want to give mercy usually. But I'm thankful that God is merciful to us. And so tonight if you would pray with me as Jamie begins to come. And if you would stand. Father tonight I come thanking you for who you are. Lord, knowing that I have not done your word justice. Father, I pray that if I have misspoke or, or stumbled or stuttered in any way, Lord, that you'd forgive me. But God, I do believe this evening that your word is powerful. I believe that your spirit is active and working in the hearts of your people and those that don't know you yet. So, Father, I just pray that whatever the need is, whatever the situation is, Lord, whatever the hurt is, that tonight would be a night where we could come and just say, Lord, here we are. Nothing to offer, nothing to give, just asking for mercy. And Father, I pray that you'd pour out your mercy on marriages, on children, on relationships, Lord, on this church, Lord, everything that is needed. Lord, help us to not make decisions on the mountain or on the valley, but according to your word and the leadership of your spirit. So, Father, I'm going to ask it all in Jesus' name and give you all the credit and praise. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.